Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Just as I said, this series is called Come and See, and we have been exploring in the gospel stories about people who brought other people to Jesus. We see that something powerful happens, and when it comes to people that meet Jesus, something is always true, that the byproduct of believing in Jesus is bringing other people to Jesus. That's what's normal in Scripture, that when someone comes and meets Jesus, and their life is changed, and they're healed, and and, and they're radically transformed, the natural outflow of that is that they run and grab someone else, say, you have to experience what I have experienced. This is what happened in my life. Maybe it's what happened in your life. I had a friend. He knew Jesus. He believed in Jesus, and he knew me, and he said, you need to meet Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. He brought me to a place where I could have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and my life was changed. When I came to believe in Jesus, you know what I did? I went and I told someone else. And it's just like a chain reaction. One leads to the other, leads to the other. People that believe in Jesus bring other people to Jesus. And maybe that's your story. Maybe that's how you came to Jesus. But for many of you, I want to ask you that question. Um, Have you brought anyone to Jesus as a result of you believing in him? And I want to go one step further and continue to... um, just ground us in in what we've been talking about here, that when people come and see Jesus, it happens through three avenues. The first is through proclamation, that someone shares and proclaims who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in their life. The second is through invitation. Someone is invited to come and see Jesus. Uh, Easter Sunday is a great time for you to invite someone to come and see Jesus. Any Sunday is a great time for you to come because guess what? Guess who we're going to talk about every time we get together on a Sunday morning? Do you, need a, do you need a hint? No, it's Jesus. You got it. You're with me. We're going to talk about Jesus. So this is a great place for you to invite someone. And we believe that when we come together, people will experience the power of God as we seek to glorify him and to lift him up. And the third way is through revelation. That's when the Lord makes himself known to someone. We are responsible for the first two. We can invite people to come and experience Jesus. We can share Jesus with them. But the final part is up to God, and he can do it himself, that he will reveal himself to that individual. If we're faithful to do our part, the Lord will do his part. Are you following me this morning? That's what he'll do. So that's what come and see is all about, is us inviting people to come and see Jesus. What a great time for us to explore that on Palm Sunday, right before Easter. I have a question for every one of you today. Every person that believes in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, every person that you would say, yes, I have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question today. It's a question you need to think about and one that I want you to answer by the end of our time together this morning. If the byproduct of believing in Jesus is bringing other people to Jesus, here is my question for you. How far will you go to bring someone to Jesus? How far will you go to bring someone else to Jesus? Let's look together. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we're going to walk through an amazing story this morning about the great lengths that a group of friends are willing to go to to bring someone to Jesus. And I pray that God would ignite a passion in our hearts as he has been over the last several weeks that we would do everything we can to bring others to Jesus. 
Lord, would you meet us today by the power of your word? Would you speak to us today? Would this word be living and active in us? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus was traveling around the area of Capernaum. He was, he was going from village to village, and he was speaking. He was preaching. He was talking about this thing called the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. He was speaking in a way that people had never heard anyone speak before. They, say, they said, this man speaks with such authority. Not like the teachers of the law, not like the other people that would preach and teach and speak. But not only did he talk, but the signs and the wonders that followed him were miraculous, to say the least. People that were blind would walk away seeing. People that came to him with all kinds of sickness and disease would leave healed completely and made whole. People would come to him one way and leave a completely different person. People that had demons tormenting them would leave set completely free, all because of a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And so when Jesus showed up in a village, when he showed up in a house, when he showed up in any place, people would flock to him. This is the setting of what's going on by the time we get to Luke chapter 5. Jesus is already becoming very famous among the area. People are flocking to him. A lot of people are coming. And whenever a crowd was being attracted, there was always a group of people that were not far away. And they were the Pharisees and the scribes. So let's look together in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says, One day he, Jesus, was teaching, and some Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And the power of the Lord was present. For him to perform healing. So Jesus is there, and people had come from all over. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees were there, and everyone was packing into this one home at one point in time. You see this story being told here in Luke chapter 5. It's also told in Mark chapter 2, the identical story about what takes place here at this place and at this time. During that time, you could imagine people would come from all around, some of them in need of healing, some of them in need. They were desperate for a touch from God. Their life was going one way, and they needed something to change for them. This was the story of this one man. He was paralyzed. He lived that way for we don't know how long in his life, but he was paralyzed. And as he went through his life in that condition, he had some friends who cared about him. They cared about him enough. That when Jesus came onto the scene, these friends carried him and brought him to see Jesus. And so the friends start coming and they, they are, they're willing to bring him to come and meet Jesus because they trust that something can happen inside of this guy's life. Look with me at verse 18 of chapter 5. It says this, Some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed And they were trying to bring him to set him down in front of Jesus. Their thought was this. If we could just get him to Jesus, he could change everything. How far will you go to bring someone to Jesus? I'm reminded of a story. It's a story that goes back centuries. It's a story of a very famous holiday that we celebrate. And we just celebrated this last Thursday. It's St. Patrick's Day. Now, this holiday was one that I didn't think much about because most of the time people are filling bars and doing all kinds of other things on St. Patrick's Day uh, or at least eating green bagels um, at, at, at somewhere. 
But my wife and I, we have a new fondness for the holiday, not just because I'm half Irish, but because we have a beautiful daughter who turned two years old on St. Patrick's Day. So every year on St. Patrick's Day, we get to celebrate with Lily, our little, our little clover, I guess she is. Um, but uh, but it, it's a fun time. So we had a frozen and, uh, and, and clover-themed <laughs> house uh, as we were celebrating with her. But every year we now celebrate on St. Patrick's Day. And so it's given us uh, an appreciation for the holiday. And we've wanted to learn the history. So Mandy was taking some time this last week just looking into the history of St. Patrick. And I had it all wrong. I thought this guy was a master, um, you know, animal capturer where he drove out all the snakes from Ireland. That was about as much as I knew from the folklore of him. But if you go into the story of St. Patrick's, it's, it's extraordinary. This was a man who had a very difficult life. In fact, he wasn't born in Ireland. He was born in the British Isles. And when he was 16 years old, pirates came and they kidnapped him. And they brought him to Ireland and they made him a slave there. And while he was there in Ireland, he worked as a shepherd. And while he was a shepherd in the fields, he actually drew close to the Lord. And he came to know the Lord. And it was there while he was in the fields taking care of the sheep. Doesn't that remind you of the story of David in the Bible? That he's out there among them. Well, eventually he's able to escape. He runs away and he's able to go back to Britain. When he gets back to Britain and he escapes from slavery, um, he begins to study and he feels a calling into ministry, so he becomes a priest. He becomes a priest and he just wants to go on living his life. That was in the past. Ireland was far away. His old story of who he was as a slave was far distant from him, but he couldn't shake something. Because one night as he's sleeping, he begins to have a dream. And it's from people all over Ireland. Voices of people that he had met during his captivity. That he had met during his childhood and as he grew up a slave. And they were crying out and they said, come to Ireland and tell us about Jesus. And he woke up. And when he woke up, it says he packed his bags. And he went and he set sail to Ireland. Not as a slave, but as a messenger of God. And he went there and he began to go around the villages and areas telling people about the love of God and establishing hundreds of churches. When he ended up dying on March 17th, you could see that a whole nation, a whole country was different because of his boldness to go. Because he was willing to do whatever it would take to bring someone to Jesus. God gave him a vision and a dream about someone that cried out and said, I need to come to Jesus. And he was willing to go to a place where he, he had been broken, where a place where he had been uh, hurt, to a place where he had been ashamed to even live his life as a slave. He went back and God used him in such a powerful way. You think about a few weeks ago, I shared with you out of John chapter 4 that we all have a Samaria. We all have a story, and we all have a Savior. When we have a Savior, when we have a Savior that has the power to change our story, he also has the power to send us back to Samaria, right? Ireland was his Samaria, the place that he had longed to get away from, and God sent him back, and because of it, the world is different today because of one man's impact. How far will you go to bring someone to Jesus are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Because I want to tell you, there are people every single day that are walking around without hope. There are people that God put in your life that need him, 
that need to know him, that need to experience him, that are hurting on the inside, that for some, you could know someone that's going through a debilitating disease that you would say, man, if they just needed anything, they need healing. There are people that are walking around like that on the inside, and you can't see it. Their life may look like it's all together, but they're hurting, and they need Jesus. They need to be brought to him. We need to remain very sensitive to the Lord. We need to, church, stop making excuses and start being bolder and stepping out and doing whatever it would take, going as far as it would take to bring someone to Jesus. When we see that happens, it has an exponential impact on the lives of people and generations and families and, most importantly, eternities. So today we're going to take a look at this story of these four friends who brought someone to Jesus and who did whatever it would take. And when we see the steps that they took to get him to Jesus, it teaches us lessons about what we need to have in our lives so that we can be those very people as well. Because I want to tell you, there's someone lying on a mat somewhere and God is calling you to bring them to Jesus so that he could change their life forever. I wouldn't tell you that so passionately if I wasn't that person at one point in time. I'm telling you, you need to realize you were that person at one point. You were lying on a mat somewhere. You were hopeless and alone. You didn't know where to turn. Someone brought you to Jesus, though, and it changed your life. It may have been your parent. It may have been your friend. It may have been a loved one. It may have been an acquaintance, but they loved you enough. They cared about you enough to bring you to Jesus. So let's take a look and let's learn together what this looks like. The first thing we need to understand, if you're taking notes this morning, is that it requires in us a care. And we have to care more than others think is necessary. We have to care. We have to care about them. We have to care more than others think is necessary. When you see someone that's hurting and they're going through something difficult, you could care about them. You could care enough to lend a hand. You can care enough to lend a dollar. You could care enough to walk with them for a few steps. But it will take a level of caring about that person more than others would think is necessary. That wherever that would be, whatever you would think is necessary, if you saw someone that was homeless and you say, I think what's necessary is that person needs a hot meal. And you then pick them up and you bring them in and you you get them a hot meal. That would be necessary. It would be going above and beyond what would be necessary. You have to be able to care more than that. For these friends, they could have thought it was necessary for them to extend a prayer for this person. They could have thought it was necessary to go and tell someone about him. They could have thought it was necessary to just feel bad for him or to give him some money or to help make him really, really comfortable. But they went beyond what was necessary. They said, we're going to bring him to Jesus. It doesn't matter how much it inconveniences us. It doesn't matter what it will take. We're going to pick him up right now. We're going to carry him to Jesus. We have to have a care in our hearts that goes beyond And so in verse 19, it says that they were carrying him to Jesus and they couldn't find any way to bring him in. It says there was a crowd that was pressing in all around them. And the crowds were at every door and every exit, every window. So they could not get him in. So they got creative. It says that they went up on the roof and they let him down through the tiles with his stretcher in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Could you imagine this with me? I want you to take a look at this picture. This is a picture of a house in Israel that would be dated in in and around that time. You could see that all the homes then had flat roofs. And these would be a place not just for 
for, for someone to be shielded from the conditions, but also for people to go up there and rest. Uh, in fact, Pastor Ron shared a story about Cornelius, and when Peter was at Cornelius' house, God gave Peter a vision when he was on a roof just like this at Cornelius' house. He was there laying out, napping, resting when the Lord spoke to him, so the roof would be flat. And the roof would have on it, if you could see here, there are different um, logs or sticks that go across to create beams. And then there are flat stones or tiles across it. Sometimes it would be packed with straw and mud and clay to create even more insulation from the weather and the conditions. And so these men, they look and they cared about their friend. They cared more than it was just necessary. They could have said, you know what? It was good enough that we brought him here. Let's just go home. We're never going to be able to get to Jesus. But their care brought them there and continued to lead them forward. The second thing that you have to have is you have the ability to dream. You have to have the ability to dream more than others think is practical. You have to be able to, you have to, be able to go beyond what's practical. Come on, I hear someone's with me today. You have to be able to go beyond what the box says is possible. You say, you know what? It's not very practical for us to be able to get in. We're going to make everyone very uncomfortable. These guys said, you know what? I care so much about this person getting to Jesus. What can we do? Could you imagine? Let's just say it's you and me and two of your friends. And you're going to know who these friends are whenever I tell you in a second. It's you and me and two of your friends and we're there, and we have a friend. They need to get to Jesus. It's an emergency. They have to get to Jesus. And we get together, and we say, you know what? The, everyone's packed in the house. We can't get through the door. It's just like we're never going to be able to get in. And we get into a huddle, and maybe it's you. You say, you know what we're going to do? You have the ability to dream beyond what's practical. You said, we're going to get up on the roof. We're going to cut a hole in the ceiling. We're going to lower him down. You have those two friends, and you know who these two, oh, that's never going to, oh, come on, like, we're not going to do that. You know how upset the homeowner's going to be? I mean, like, there's going to be debris falling on people's heads, there's dust, and, and there are going to be all these reasons that it just isn't practical, it's not going to work. You have people like that, they just have a wet blanket they're just waiting to throw on top of your idea, right? Some of you are like, no, pastor, that's me. My friends would be the ones encouraging me to do it. Okay, that's fine. But could you imagine, like, what's going through the heads of people? These friends are like, that's what we're going to do? And so on the side of a house, there'd be a ladder just like this. And this ladder would go up to that roof. And so you could imagine, they're going to figure out how to hoist him up, get his, him up there, laying on some kind of mat or pallet, up onto the roof. You could hear it. And it's not a very big home that's packed in. You could start to hear footprints, footsteps on the roof, right? And you could start to see probably dust falling and people are looking as Jesus is teaching. They're like, wow, this guy really does have authority. It's thundering above his head. And they're wondering, what's going on? You start to hear scraping tiles sliding, light coming in. People are looking up like, what's going on? And then slowly, this guy being lowered on a mat, right on a pallet, right in front of Jesus. I want to tell you that there are ways, creative ways, that God will use to bring people to himself. There are creative ways that we have to be willing to step into. Our God is a God who is creative. Our God is a God who is outside the box. Don't be held up. Don't get tripped up. Don't let things stand in the way of you getting someone else to Jesus. We have to be willing to think outside of the box. And I'll tell you, as, as even this movie Risen came out, it was one of those outside of the box ways that we said, you know what? This seems unorthodox. This seems different. But we believe it can bring people to Jesus. Let's do it. Let's try it. Let's see. And guess what? Last service, we're praying with people at the altars that were friends of people who came to the movie yesterday. That's the power of God working and moving in people's lives. Church, we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to bring someone to Jesus. 
whenever we're willing to take that, when we're willing to dream, when we're willing to think about it, God moves in amazing ways. You have to be willing to get over the can'ts and the closed doors. You have to be willing to get over them and stop seeing it in that way and say, God, show me another way. And before long, you're going to see that there is a roof waiting for you and some tiles and a crazy situation, but it just might bring someone to Jesus. You have to be willing to get beyond the crowds and the obstacles and let me even say the religious people that might stand in the way. Because there are going to be people that whenever you're trying, they're going to say, hold on, hold on. Could you imagine what the Pharisees are thinking? They're sitting there and they're watching Jesus. Their, their job, is they're like watchdogs. They, their whole job is to take the law, which is if you take your Bible and you take a look at it, the first five books of the Bible, this much right here, this is called the law, the Pentateuch. Many of those people that are sitting there that were teachers of the law, they had memorized all of this. This is here over 300 and some pages in very small print. They were able to memorize this by the time they were 12 years old. They knew it backwards, forwards, sideways, every single way. They knew everything within it. And their job was to protect it. They were there to build a fence around it. They were there to make sure everyone obeyed it completely. And they got so much tunnel vision around making sure that they understood that. And then the teachers of the law and the prophets, they knew all this completely. And they would just study it and they would just watch. And they're watching Jesus and they're watching everyone around them. They're making sure that everything is going on. And then <laughs> the roof opens up. And a man gets lowered down and interrupts Jesus in his teaching completely. And could you imagine what they're thinking at that? What in the world? If they really wanted to have a seat in front of Jesus, they would have got here early like I did. They would have got a seat up front. They need to wait outside. I don't care if this guy is paralyzed on a mat. They can't break the rules. The rules are clear. Some of you, what would happen if, if the roof opened right now and someone was just lowered into your seat and sat right where you like to sit every week? Some of you would say, you know what? I don't like this. <laughs> Other you would start cheering. You say, this is crazy. What's happening right now? But sometimes we can get so religious. And I think we need to talk about this because the longer we've been walking with Jesus, the more we become like the religious people, right? We start to get uncomfortable and say, I don't know about that person. I don't know about that. I don't know about that way. Well, why are we doing that? Why are we? Because we're willing to do what it takes to get to people that need to come to Jesus. We have to be willing to hit the streets. We have to be willing to go to places that maybe no one else is willing to go. If we're doing it so that people can come to Jesus, it can change everything. We have to be willing to dream. Dream beyond what people think is practical. Getting over all those things. And it takes perseverance. It takes an ability to be able to step up and step forward and to dream big and God could use it. The third thing is we need to be able to expect more than others think is possible. We have to be willing to expect more, that we come with an expectation. These friends had an expectation in their heart. Here it was. If we can get this guy to Jesus, Jesus can change his life. If we can get this guy to Jesus, then Jesus can heal him. And they went with a full expectation. I'm telling you something. You don't open a roof in someone's house and lower a guy down in front of a crowd of people if you're not expecting for something to happen, right? You don't do that. You don't go to those lengths. And some of you, some of us, we would never take that big of a step. You know why? Because deep down, maybe we don't expect anything would happen. 
well, what if nothing happens? Well, you have to kind of get beyond that. You have to operate out of a place of, of expectation and say, I'm not going to measure what's possible when I serve a God who is the God of the impossible. I'm not going to make my, my, my feelings based on, well, what about this and what about that? We serve a God who can do anything. We serve a God who can do the impossible. We can't be bound by what's possible and what's not possible. You have to operate from a place of expectation in the impossible to take place. So what does that actually mean? There's one word that's used to describe exactly what I said, faith. You have to come from a place of faith. You have to come believing full well and expecting God to do exactly what God can do. And so when that happens, these guys, they put it all out there. They weren't holding back. They came from a complete place of reliance that they knew if they could just get him in front of Jesus, if they could just bring him to Jesus, he could do the rest. Do you have that level of faith? Do you have that level of trust that those people that you love, that you've been praying for, those that doctors have talked to and there's nothing they can do, those that have been struggling with crippling uh, fear, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, those who you have been talking to and reasoning with and sharing the Lord with and nothing is working, do you have that place of faith in your life to believe that if they can just have an encounter with Jesus, it could change everything? Will you believe for that? Will you expect that again? Because when we serve a God who can do the impossible, we could expect great things because he's a faithful God. And so that's where we need to operate from, that place of expectation, that place of trust. And here's what the Bible says in verse 20, that as they're lowering him down, it says, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, follow me here. Who's he taught, who, whose faith does he see? The faith of the friends, not the faith of the man on the mat. He's just sitting there. He's being lowered. I don't even know if he's excited about what's happening. He's just made like a big spectacle of everyone. He's probably like, what are you guys doing? Stop it. That would be me. I'd be like, hey, you're making me very uncomfortable right now. To like, no, you just need to get to Jesus. He's going to change everything. It says, the Bible says, seeing their faith. Go back in Mark chapter 2. Two. Check it. It's there in both. Seeing their faith. Do you realize that when we're doing everything we can to bring people to Jesus, he's not just looking at their faith, he's looking at your faith. And because of their faith, Jesus then said, your sins are forgiven to the man who was paralyzed. Jesus was responding to their faith. That's why we serve a God that when we intercede and we pray for our loved ones, we pray for those that don't even yet know the Lord, that are going through sickness in their body, the Lord can touch their lives, not because of what they believe, but because of our faith and our trust in God. And so with that, we have to operate from that place of faith, that place of expectation, that place to know that it matters for us to come and to have full faith, full trust that God can move in their lives and do everything we can above and beyond to care, to show that level of dreaming and try everything we can within our power and to expect that God is gonna do great things through it. When Jesus saw that, he said, your sins are forgiven. Remember I said there's gonna be obstacles and there's gonna be religious people? Whenever Jesus said those words, your sins are forgiven. When he said this, it sent the religious people wild. Like I said, their job is to guard this. Their job is to know this and then to guard it. And it says something here that, in, in here, that no one has the power to forgive sins except God himself. No one has the power to do that. 
And so if you were to do something or to claim an authority that isn't your own and to actually claim God's authority in a situation, do you know what that makes you? A blasphemer. And so what the religious people at the time are doing, as he said, your sins are forgiven, when he sees this act of faith, their alarms are going off, they're going crazy, and they start thinking among themselves. Verse 21 said, the scribes and the Pharisees, they begin to reason. They said, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus knows their thoughts. Let me say that again because it has to set in. It's scary when I think about it. Jesus knows your thoughts. He doesn't just know what you do when you're in this room. You get that, right? He, he knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He created us. And he knew their reasonings, the Bible says, was aware of them. And he answered and he said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? He said, which is easier for me to say? Now, Jesus is saying this because he has just turned this entire scene into a picture, into a deeper picture that he needed everyone to understand. And it's about the connection between the forgiveness of sins and healing. There is a deep connection that we see between this. It's something that we need to understand today because oftentimes we can get it wrong. There is a deep connection about sins being forgiven and healing taking place in someone's body in sickness. The reason is this, is that because of sin that exists in the world today, we see and experience sickness, disease, brokenness all over creation. Before we fell into sin, when you go all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the way God originally created us was not to have sickness, not to have disease, not to experience so many of the things that break God's heart and are very tragic in the world that we live. In fact, God's plan was much different, but when sin entered the picture, it fractured everything. And because of that, bodies began to become broken. Death became a reality. And all of these things have come down throughout the generations, and we see all this brokenness, all this hatred, all this evil. None of that was a part of God's original intention and design. But because of sin's presence in the world, we have all of this brokenness. So when you see someone who's walking through a terrible disease, terrible things in them, and you'd say, that's tragic, how could? And you have all kinds of questions about God and about how this could happen for them. It's a reality ultimately because of sin and because of the brokenness in the world around us. Now we need to be careful. Because someone is sick or going through an infirmity in their body does not mean that's because they have sinned or done something wrong. Jesus makes this clear with his disciples. In John chapter 11, they see a man who's born blind. And whenever they see him, they say, teacher, who sinned that this man was born blind? Him or his parents? And Jesus said, no, you're missing it. It wasn't this man or his parents that sinned. In this case, it's so that the glory of God could be on display in this man's life when I'm about to heal him. And so we see it, and we see it's because of the consequences of sin inside of the world around us that people that we love go through tragic and difficult things. I have to do many funerals, and I did another one this week and two a, a few weeks ago, and some of them had very tragic things that happened inside the life of a person when they dealt with either an illness, uh, a disease, something that ended up leading to them to the end of their life. And we Think about that. It can be heartbreaking. It can be difficult. But I realized something, and I was able to share it with the family uh, just this week, that someone who just passed away that had, had such difficulty that they walked with for many years of their life, that when they came face-to-face -face with Jesus, when they truly experienced him, 
as you only can when you meet him face to face. In that moment, there's no more sickness. There's no more disease. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more brokenness. There's no more any of it. You know why? Because Jesus came so that we could be made whole, so that we could be set free, so that we could be changed completely. And I want to tell you that we don't leave a face-to-face encounter with Jesus unchanged. It will happen. Whether it happens here, on this side of eternity, I I can't promise you that. But it will always happen whenever we meet him face-to-face in eternity. That everything we deal with, everything your loved ones have have felt and faced. And I said to this family, and I I felt it from the bottom of my heart because it's the truth of God's word. I said, if you saw her today in the presence of Jesus, you may not even recognize her because of how much Jesus changes everything. In the same way that we see person after person in Scripture, is this the same man who was filled with demons? Is this the same man who was born blind? Is this the same man? Because we're different after we've had an encounter with Jesus. Now that can happen on this side of eternity. And when it does, and when it did in the Gospels, do you know what it was doing? It was giving everyone a picture. A picture of what it looks like in God's kingdom. And when Jesus comes, it changes everything. And when we see healing happen, miraculous healing, even in our day, it's a foreshadowing of what we can anticipate every single one of us when we meet Jesus face to face one day. And I'm so glad. Are you glad that we serve a God who can heal today? We serve a God who heals and who restores. And so... They say, who, who has the authority to do this? Now, Jesus said, with the forgiveness of sins, he ultimately comes with this healing. And so Jesus said, which, is, which, would, which would you rather me say? And then he goes on to say in verse 24, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And immediately the Bible says, He got up before them. He picked up what he had been laying on and he went away glorifying God. That's the power of God inside of someone's life. That's the power of four friends who said, I'm bringing someone to Jesus. If he gets to Jesus, he could change everything. Now here's the deal though. I'm sure that they are very surprised. They lower Jesus. They go through all this work and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. They're like, Jesus, the guy can't walk. We wanted you to say a healing prayer over him. But Jesus understood the deeper need. You have no idea the person that you're bringing. You may think, well, I need to bring them here because of this. But if they come to Jesus, he could touch them in a completely different way. He alone knows exactly what they need. You may say they need a physical touch from God in their body, but it may be emotional, spiritual. But Jesus has the power to heal us completely and wholly, physically, spiritually, emotionally. He knows exactly what he needed. He knows what you need. He knows what the person you care about needs. And he'll meet them right where they're at. Are you willing? How far will you go to bring someone to Jesus? Look what happens when we take that step. Look what happens when we stretch ourselves in that way. And it says in the Bible that they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. That word for remarkable things is actually an interesting word in the scriptures. It's paradoxa. Paradox is the word we get paradox. Here's what it means. We came here today looking to see one thing and we saw the complete other thing. We came here seeing one thing and we're leaving here seeing something else. The opposite of what we thought would happen has happened. A man was carried in, paralyzed, and walked out carrying the mat he was carried on. That's paradoxa. I want to tell you, someone will look at your life and they're going to say paradoxa. They're going to look at the life of someone else that you know and they're going to say, it doesn't make any sense. This is who you were. Look who you are now. 
These are remarkable things. Your story is a remarkable story because God has changed your life. Some of you would be embarrassed to say it, but I know it's true. You have friends that will look at you from your past and they would say, I don't recognize you anymore. And you would say, glory to God. He's changed me. He's changed my life. He's changed my story. I'm not addicted anymore. I'm not broken anymore. I'm not sick anymore. Whatever it might be, God's changed my story. God has the power to do that. And when we're willing to do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus, it has an exponential factor. I want to tell you a story this morning about someone that I had the chance to get to know. It's actually a couple. And uh, her name is Sharon. His name is Hans. And Sharon had been attending Evangel for about 10 years uh, ago. She started attending. She'd heard about us on the radio and got to know us through, um, because her and her husband lived a stone's throw away from the church. She started to come and heard the preaching of Pastor Brennan those years ago. And uh, as she heard, she just felt like, like God was meeting her in a special way every week. Her husband, Hans, he had a very busy uh, career, very busy job. He worked uh, a lot of hours in the restaurant industry, which could keep you uh, out on weekends and, and up very late. So he always found very convenient reasons to not come to church uh, with Sharon. And, and uh, some of you know what that's like. Wives, you know exactly what that's like. I guess I get it. Um, and so Sharon would invite him, and, and he wouldn't normally come. Hans was also suffering with a very difficult and debilitating condition. He had epilepsy and terrible seizures. When he was 12 years old, he got into an accident. It was when he was in the water playing with his family. And when he took a fall, um, it resulted in him having epileptic seizures. And it got to the point where he's having grand mal seizures, which are very terrible seizures uh, quite often. So he lived his life with that condition. He lived with it, and it would get progressively worse at times, so bad that he would be lying on the ground, and, and Sharon's told stories about how Hans would be laying there, and she wouldn't know if he was going to live. He would get up afterwards, and it would take minutes, and he wouldn't even recognize who she was or where he was, and, and, uh, and his, jo his goal was to keep it all kind of very private. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want people to really know about it. His whole job and what he did for a living was a very public-facing job, so he didn't want to have to miss work, but he was suffering terribly. It got to the point about nine years ago that he was having seizure after seizure, three days straight of the worst seizures of his life. He would be laying there, and finally, at just a point of desperation, Sharon said, just come to church with me. You've got to come to church and let's just go. She realized that maybe Jesus had the power to do something. That Sunday, they came to church, and Pastor was talking about healing. He was talking about how God had the power to heal. And he wanted to give a special opportunity for people to come forward and pray with people at the altar at the end of the service like we do on different occasions. And as they felt it in their heart, they knew something was different that day. And before they could barely get out an, an invitation for the altars to be open, while one of our pastors was standing in the aisle, Hans gets out of his seat. He runs right over to him. And he's very emotional, tells him his story and what's gone on. And on that day, they laid hands on Hans and they prayed that God would heal him and would, would relieve him of this terrible condition and these seizures. Well, some time went on a couple days and he didn't have another seizure. And a couple weeks went by and before long, he's back at his doctor, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They start flashing lights and trying to induce a seizure, which they can do through lights and different things. And they're like, he's not having any seizures anymore. Friends, nine years has gone by, and he hasn't had another seizure. <laughs> and so uh, he's actually right here. Hans, would you stand up? That's Hans. And that's his lovely wife, Sharon, right next to him. 
And the story gets better. <laughs> because last January, I had the opportunity to baptize Hans. Some of you were in that service. And he got up and he told part of his story. And Hans works in a restaurant that's very busy. He has 200 employees that report to him. And as he works and has all of those kind of employees, he told them, I'm getting baptized. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And after he got baptized last year, his employees threw him a little party. They got him a cake. And one by one, they started telling him some of them, you know, that's amazing. Your faith and what Jesus has done in your life, I want one day that I'm going to get baptized and put my faith in Jesus. This April 17th, I'm going to have the opportunity to baptize in our services three of his employees and co-workers that put their faith in Jesus. That's the power, right? Sharon brought Hans to Jesus, knowing that he had the power to change his life. He went and brought others to Jesus. You have no idea the power of what God wants to do in someone's life when you're willing to bring them to Jesus and you let Jesus get a hold of their life and watch what he'll do with it. Amen? We have no idea. But church, I want to tell you, there are people in your life, there are people that are on a list of three names that you have been sitting on and you have been praying on. You've been asking the Lord to give you and you've been praying for them, you've been thinking, some of them, you've been building up the courage to invite them, you have no idea what's waiting on the other side of an encounter with Jesus Christ for them. Maybe they've run far from God and they're going to come back. Maybe they haven't yet met him and they're going to. But I want to tell you, don't give up praying, but take the time to invite them and bring them to Jesus. Next Sunday is a great opportunity. We're going to pack the house next Sunday morning. Easter Sunday, three services. We're going to have the opportunity to see many people come to faith in Christ. And I'm believing that if we do everything we can do, God will do everything he can do and we're going to see lives transformed and we're going to see many more stories unfolding just like the one we talked about today. Amen? And so that's my challenge. Who are you inviting? How far are you going to bring someone else to Jesus? Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come. In a few verses later, in verses 31 and 32, he said, it isn't for those who are well. They don't need a physician. It's for the sick. And he said, I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Repentance means a turnaround life, turned around, changed transformed. That's why Jesus came. He loves you so much. He loves those that you love and care for and are praying for so much. How far will you go to bring them to Jesus? The worship team comes forward. I want to invite you to consider with me today that question. How far will you go to bring someone to Jesus? Are you willing to give them an invite? Are you willing to bring them to a movie? Are you willing to bring them to a service? Are you willing to sit down with them in a moment where you can just share your heart and your story and your journey with them and say, listen, I know what you're going through or I have no idea what you're going through, but I know the answer is Jesus. He can change your life. How far will you go to bring them to come and see Jesus? To answer that question, think about what Jesus did. How far did Jesus go on Palm Sunday? Jesus came entering into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey's colt. He received a king's welcome to this city of Jerusalem, teeming with people, palm branches waving, um, coats out on the ground. And within a week, he came in receiving a king's welcome. He left with a criminal's execution on a cross on Calvary. How far was Jesus willing to go for you? The Bible says God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but could have everlasting life. 
God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And Jesus came knowing his purpose, knowing his mission. When he entered Jerusalem, he knew what was awaiting him. He knew what awaited him on Calvary. He knew what was standing in front of him. And he was willing to go to those lengths so that we could live. He gave up a throne in heaven for a cross on Calvary. He gave up a crown of glory for a crown of thorns. He gave up the comfort of heaven and the choirs of angels singing for an angry mob of people crying, crucify him. He gave up his very life so that you could live, so that you could be forgiven, so that the shame of your past could be wiped away and your life could be made brand new. Today, he loves you that much. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've gone and what has shamed your past. You're not too far from his reach today. You're only a heart's turn away from him. And so today's the day, if you could hear my voice and you don't know him yet, and you haven't received him yet, I feel there's someone here today that hasn't yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Today is the day. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And today, if I'm describing you, you feel far from God. You don't feel peace in your life. And today you say, I want to experience what you're talking about. If Jesus can change everything, then that's what I want. And you'd say it today in a moment of complete honesty between you and God. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. If that's you, I want to know that you're here today because I want us to say a prayer together. So if that's you and you want to say that prayer, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can above your head so I could see it. That's you right now. I see your hand right there. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? I see your hands up. I see yours as well. Amen. Amen. Is there anyone else here within the sound of my voice? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Amen. Let's pray. Pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again. And I thank you for your forgiveness in my life. I will follow you all of my days. In your name, amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd come and that you'd meet each one that rose their hand today, that as each one called upon you, Lord God, would you meet them in a special way? Lord God, would they never walk far from your grace and from your mercy? Lord, I pray that you would uh, surround them with people that love you and love them and can help them walk that journey with them. In your name we pray, amen, amen. If you said that prayer today, you can look up at me this morning. If you said that prayer today, we want to celebrate with you. There might be one of our altar workers that are going to come to you to give you a, a book or and a card for you to fill out. We want to take a journey with you. We want to help you uh, walk and answer questions that you have and pray with you. Uh, if, if no one comes to you and you did say that prayer, come forward in just a few moments. And, and I'd encourage you to come and let someone know so that we could celebrate the best decision you've ever made. Can we all stand together today, church? And we're going to close with this final prayer. And this t final prayer time is for those that God has put on our heart. Those that need to come and see Jesus, those that you have been praying for, now's the time to invite. Now's the time to invite them to come and see. And we're gonna believe for God to change many lives. 
So I want you right now in this moment, I want you to think of them by name and I want you to pray for them by name. And we're going to close in prayer for them. We're going to have worship here and a time of prayer at the altar. But let's pray for them right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we pray, Lord God, for each one that you put on our hearts, Lord God. Each person that we know needs to come and see you this Easter season, Lord God. Lord, as we've done our part, Lord God, as we are going to invite and we're going to share and we're going to take every opportunity and we're going to go above and beyond, Lord God, to care and to dream and to expect and even, Lord God, to risk, to go beyond safety, to reach someone for you, Lord God. Lord, help us to live lives where we're willing to take those big risks of faith so that people can come to know you as Lord and as Savior. Lord God, we pray for them right now in church. Pray for that person by name. Pray for those individuals by name. Lord, would you reach them? Would you nudge their hearts? Would you open their hearts? Would they be receptive to the invitation, Lord God? Would they come, Lord God, and would they experience exactly what you have for them this Easter season, that they would experience the reality of a risen Savior? And Lord, we'll give you all the glory for what you can do as you reveal yourself to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to have our altar workers present here at the front. I just have a sense, and we prayed for it last service. Some of you, you've heard these stories about people who have experienced God's healing, who have experienced a touch from him, and you need a touch from God in your body. We're going to have people that are ready to agree with you in prayer, anoint you with oil, and believe in God's healing power in your life. So please, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, come forward and let someone pray for you as we dismiss. We're going to be singing songs and worshiping the Lord, uh, or also there's things for you out in the foyer to get connected to. Uh, Please, let's make this a place of responding to the Lord. Save your conversations for out there. We'll see you next Sunday, Easter Sunday. God bless.